just relax, filled home. Uh, we had our grand opening, as uh, many of you know, this last Sunday. And uh, we, it was an overwhelming day with over 450-some people packed in here. It was great. And a little bit more manageable today here for me. So maybe I can get around to everybody and say hi afterwards. But uh, we are glad that you're here. We're glad that you came back. If you were here last week, if you're new and, and showed up, and like Joe said, there's no in and outs this week, but uh, we do have a little something afterwards if you want to hang around. So uh, thanks for being a part. Some of you I have had the chance to interact with, especially those who have been uh, with us uh, for a while, and so many good things happening, but yet some dynamics changing and all that's involved. And and my wife, who heads up children's ministry, who some of you met last week, was a little bit of an overwhelming week to them in children's ministry, trying to figure it all out. But I just want to let you know that uh, even though a church grows and changes, that we are still the same family. And... Um, it's really been one of our values and one of our strengths over the years is just to be real and authentic and transparent, and we come as we are, and we seek to grow in this relationship with the Lord that we have. There is a couple passages that came to my mind as I left last Sunday, and the one was the day of Pentecost. Remember that day in Scripture? The Lord Jesus had ascended to heavens. He said, wait around for his Holy Spirit to come. His Holy Spirit descended upon the body of people there in Jerusalem. And it was overwhelming. It says that 3,000 were added to their number that day. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I'll have to talk to Peter and them someday. But what was their plan? 3,000 added to their number that day as people began to become followers of Jesus Christ. It wasn't something that was all orchestrated. It was really the movement of God. And then they began to meet together, house to house, and in the temple courts, and spending their time. And my prayer this week has been, Lord, Holy Spirit, lead us as we continue to reach um, this valley for you. And may we stay who we are as a people, humble before you, and may we also just continue to love and reach out and so that was one passage that came to my mind as I left. And then the other passage had to do with Jesus as he was looking over the city of Jerusalem. And one time he, he cried over the city of Jerusalem. But then there was this other time where this verse out of Matthew 9:35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And then it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus looked upon the crowds, and, and the thing that was unique about last week to me, because I went around and met different ones of you, some of you right before service that are new today I met, um, is that we've been placed in a new part of this valley here along the 215. And um, there's not a lot of churches, actually, on this corridor. And some of the individuals, some of you I met, you're representing the neighborhoods that are around here. And Jesus, when he looked upon the crowds of people, as he went from place to place, and they were villages, we can think neighborhoods, apartment complexes, whatever it may be, his heart was broken. And he had compassion on them, like sheep without a shepherd. 
And we have to allow the Spirit who's moving in our midst to keep us a compassionate people for the brokenness that exists among the crowds. Because like we're going to talk about today, you are not one of the mass. You are an individual that God loves. And we want to see you shepherded well. To do that, though, we have to be intentional as a church community as we grow and we reach out. And that is that we have to be involved in one another's lives, encouraging one another. We have life groups that meet on a regular basis. But one of the things that we've sort of put in our DNA as the Awakening Church over the last number of years is a journey called Rooted. And there's an insert that you have in your program today about Rooted. But I just want to make mention of Rooted because I would love for you to consider joining this journey. Now, you may say, hey, I'm just showing up second week here. I like to be anonymous, sit in the crowd, that kind of thing. And that's cool. You can do that. No problem. But I also know that real life transformation sort of happens in circles and not rows. People might remember what the preacher said for a few days or a highlight here or there. There's, you know, the worship song may be ringing through you. But life change really happens one-on-one. And that's a threatening, scary kind of idea. But what Rooted is, is a 10-week journey and experience where you're deepening your connection with God, His church, and your purpose. And I like how we phrase this, the big epic story of what He is unfolding. Because it is something big. And when we gather on a Sunday morning, it's a part of something big. And can you imagine the gathering on the final day when the Lord comes? That'll be an incredible day of gathering. People from every tribe, language, and nation, the scriptures say. But it's not the masses. It's also the individuals. It's the marriages. It's the family units. We want to faithfully shepherd those amongst the crowds. And the only way for us to do that as a church family is to be able to break it down in life on life. And so whether it's just getting to know a person one-on-one, taking them out to lunch or hanging out, going to a movie together, somebody, you know, maybe a family you met new together, or I I don't know what it is, or being a part of a, a life group or a rooted group, we have to press into relationships because it's easy in our cultures with big stadiums full of people at athletic events to just be comfortable in the anonymous world. And you can stay there. But we want to provide opportunity for you to take another step, and that's what Rooted is. So you can read through that little insert, fill it out if you're interested, maybe a certain night of the week that might work for you. We have some groups starting up here, first part of March. Uh, Put that in the offering plate at the end or email it in, whatever it may be. I would like to invite up somebody, though, who has been through Rooted and somebody um, that actually, I think, came to this church. Her and her husband came in particular because we did Rooted, and that is Stephanie Tucker. And I'm going to have Stephanie just pray for us as a church family. Stephanie and her husband, Bob, Bob's one of our elders. They operate a recovery ministry that's very spirit-centered and Christ-centered. I think I'll give you this one. Um, and I don't know, Stephanie, you can step up here, and you're a little shy with it, but... Um, I, I don't, do you want to you give a little plug for Rooted and then pray for us? I want you to pray for us as a church family and just this sort of season we are in changing on the other side of grand opening. Okay, let me plug Rooted. I've been in healing ministries for 15 years, and Rooted is about as, as exciting of a ministry in the church that I've ever seen. It allows you to come as you are to just get away from that churchism. Is that a word? Churchism? Do you know what I'm talking about? And to just talk and communicate and be real and allow... Um, an authentic community to get to know who you are and to learn who God is and 
It, it was amazing. I, I don't know if any of my Voodoo people that I was in with. Oh, there we go. There's a, one over there. Uh, I, you'll get to know people one-on-one. You'll break through kind of the fear of a bunch of strangers really fast. And so I can't say enough things about it. And I can't say enough things about how excited I am for this church, too. So I'm honored to pray. Um, sign up for Rooted. Okay? If you have any questions, let me know. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we uh, invite you into this church. But, Father, we are just a, a bunch of your children in here seeking your will and seeking your face. So each of us, God, individually, ask you to come in and be the Lord of our life, God, and to empower us by your spirit to find our identity, to find our hope in you, to find our worthiness in you, to find our strength in you. Father God, we pray that we would be a real people, not pretentious, not filled with judgment, but a people that carry your heart, a people that have compassion, that care for the broken, that care for the weak, that care for the needs that are out there, Lord, that we would not um, minimize ourselves to, to rules and to regulations and to structures but that we would allow your power and your goodness to reach into the very core of our being, to discover who we are in you, to discover our giftedness, to discover who you've called us to be. Father, make us a real people here. And God, we invite those that um, are just exploring this church, that this would be a venue where they could find grace, where they could find mercy and healing and compassion. I just pray, Father, I just pray over Pastor Carey. I pray over all the leadership here, God. I pray that everything we're doing here right now as a community would be for you and it would be through you and it would be for your glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stephanie. So last week we began a new series entitled Real Relationships. And the relationship series is one that um, can go a lot of different directions. What we're going to do here in these three weeks uh, is focus on the three priority relationships uh, that need to be healthy in your life, okay? And we mentioned those last week as these. I got it going here. My battery die. You move that along there, thanks. And so your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with others. Love God, love you, love others. Three healthy relationships. And so we gave reference last week that God is love, and in Him, you know, we find what pure love's about. His essence, His very being of who He is, and we need to be in that love relationship with Him. I am parking here today on the second one to love yourself. And you just need to know up front, I have some fear and trepidation about this because this can easily be taken the wrong way. We live in a very narcissistic world, do we not? Selfies everywhere, you know? Sometimes when I see social media and there's so many, and if you do selfies, that's fine. I do one every now and then, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm like, it just plastered itself. I'm like, wow, that's, that's just amazing. And, you know, it, it, it's not that I'm condemning that kind of thing, but there's something that is unhealthy with the self-centeredness of our world. And here I am speaking today on loving yourself. So am I backing up that which our world is propagating? No. But you got to hang with me as we walk through this because here's the deal. There is a difference between um, a persistent self-preoccupation and 
understanding who you are as made in God's image, redeemed by Jesus Christ, and being able to love yourself in a healthy manner. Jesus was always confronting religious people, or they were confronting him. And in Matthew twenty-two thirty-four, it says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Now, it's interesting because if Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, which was one particular sect of religious elite people, you would have thought that the Pharisees would have stayed quiet. But they thought they could one-up them and say, okay, he silenced the Sadducees, let's see what we can do with him. And so one of them, an expert in the law, <clears throat> okay, i got a question for you, Jesus. He tested him with a question. Now, why was he testing him? Because he had a genuine interest? No. They were trying to catch Jesus. All right? They were trying to trick him into saying something that wasn't politically correct, and then they could spread it all on social media and, and, and defame him. I mean, it's happened for years. This is not new. And so he asked them this question because he wanted to dismiss Jesus. And it's true. A lot of times we want to dismiss God. We just, we just want to know, oh, that, that's, that's not for me. Forget that. Maybe you're on a journey spiritually and you sort of want to know God, but yet you don't really want to know God. You're here at church today checking God out again a little bit. All I can say is just be real and authentic before Jesus and don't try to dismiss him. Don't try to trick him. Don't try to put him in a corner. It's not that he's going to have a problem, you know, with you trying to do something like that necessarily, but you're hurting yourself. Just like the Pharisees were and the Sadducees were. Were they really seekers of God or were they just trying to be religious tricksters and, and, and up their own uh, self-interest? So he asked him this question. <laughs> Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, do you know how many commandments how many laws there were in Hebrew uh, world at that time? You're right, Vic. I am so glad I knew that answer because if I didn't know that answer, I would have been intimidated by your answer. And I would have said, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But 613 laws in Scripture. So which one? <laughs> Jesus, which one? Which one of the 613 of the best? And so Jesus came back and he just simply said this. Love the Lord your God, with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Another gospel version, another place where he said it, with all of your strength. So love God. And that's the most critical. But Jesus, as we mentioned last week, he, he just didn't leave that one there. He put the, another one to it. It was sort of like this double barrel thing. It wasn't like A and B, one, two. It was like a double barrel shotgun. And he added to that this other statement. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so from this particular saying of Jesus, he said it, we pull back what are the three most important relationships that you have. Your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and relationship with others. But you might say, well, why in this did, did it not get listed that way? Or is he really saying to love yourself? No, he's not really saying directly love yourself. Love yourself is an assumed thing. It's like in a passage that's uh, mentioned about uh, loving your, your wife. You, and you love 
uh, one another as, as if it's your own body. It's assumed that you would love your own body, who you are as yourself. Jesus said you need to love other people just like you love yourself. But here's the problem. Some of you don't love yourself in a healthy, God-centered way. In fact, you beat yourself up every week. You live under condemnation. Some of your depression comes from not you know, thinking that you've done right. You live with regrets or you wish you had done more. And you listen to a little voice inside of your head that says you're not good enough. You'll never make it. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. Boy, you messed up for good now. Things will never change in your life. Just suck it up and live with it. Do you hear those voices in your head? I hear those voices in my head sometimes because I know that the adversary is real and he wants to taunt me and even my own sinful nature plays its way out that, that I, I, I think I'm done. Uh, who do I think I am to think that I can do that? If you are beating yourself up today, I just want to encourage you, you can stop beating yourself up. Because God has done something miraculous through his son Jesus Christ to bring transformation to you and I. And so when Jesus exhorted his followers, as well as these religious elite people, to love others as themselves, he knew something that was critically important. He knew this point. God wants us to embrace his love for us and translate that into love for ourselves because he knows that in the same way we love ourselves, we will love our neighbors. You cannot love others, and your neighbors is anybody that's within your circle. Sometimes we call it our oikos, our relational networks, you know, friends, relatives, loved ones, neighbors, right, work associates, you name them, uh, peers at school, your oikos. Your neighbors are not necessarily who lives next to you, though that is included, but it's who's ever proximity. But the foremost neighbor that you have that you need to love, if you're married, is your spouse and you have kids, your, your, your children, your extended family, whoever it may be, that we cannot love our neighbor well unless we love ourselves well in a healthy, Christ-centered, appropriate way. And God wants you to embrace his love for you and translate that into a healthy understanding of loving yourself. So you're not always trying to prove yourself, trying to one-up yourself, trying to impress somebody else, whether it's by something you do or something you've owned or whatever it may be, that you are just content being who you are in Christ. Think how much stress you have in life by trying to be somebody that you're not. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to be held accountable that I wasn't more like a Billy Graham or some other uh, a pastor. I, it's like, Carrie, why weren't you more like who I made you, man? And just be content in that. But the adversary doesn't want us there. The world doesn't want us there. They always say that we're maybe not measuring up and we have all kinds of advertisements and things that try to press us into some directions. But let me ask you this. Do you have a healthy sense of self-worth of who you are in Christ that empowers you to live life and love others as God intended? He wants us, God wants us, to get to a place where we see what He sees in us 
and hear what he says about us. And that enables us to live healthy lives and have healthy relationships. How many, how many of you um, this morning looked into one of these? Did you look into one of these? I had to look into one of these this morning after I was at church. Somebody said I had some donut on my, in my face. I'm glad they told me. <laughs> so, who do you see in this? Every morning, who's in there? Do you know every morning you wake up and you don't get to see another face in the mirror? It's you. You cannot get away from you. And that's a scary thing when you think about it, especially if you don't like yourself. I can't get away from me. As I often tell people, if they're not dealing with their own stuff, wherever you go, you can go on a big trip, cruise around the world, wherever you go, there you are. There you are. You can't get away from yourself. So next to your relationship with God, the most important relationship you really have is your relationship with you. You guys in the back, you want me to get a little closer and check it out? That's why God said, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself well in the light of Christ, you will be handicapped in every relationship you have. That's why last week when Melissa and I shared up here on stools, and if you weren't here, we shared a little bit about how we got together. We were on again, off again for five years. I'm a few years older than her, as you can probably tell with my gray hair, seven years apart kind of deal. But she finally got tired of waiting around on me to say she, that I was serious, and she was ready to move on with her life. So she left, went to the East Coast. She went to the East Coast, and she said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I said, really? We got back together after six months for a lunch and the next day we got engaged in Central Park. And one of the things that was foundational in our life was because we changed who we were as individuals. That relationship was not working. A marriage would not have worked unless God did not change her heart and God did not change my heart. And God changed my heart in saying that I needed to be devoted to her and love her for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do with part, no matter what, even if she got cancer, even if she had a difficult road to life, that I was going to love her, period. And she had to learn, not that she couldn't live without me, that she could live without me, because she was waiting for somebody to sweep into her life and heal up the broken places. So what happened in that moment? In those six months, God worked on the person in the mirror. And it's the person in the mirror that you have to live with every day. And I don't know, I guess I'll just exhort us up front. Deal with your stuff. That is not a mean thing. But if you're not calibrated right with who God's made you to be and healthing him and you're seeking out all other kinds of ways of affirmation rather than your worth in Christ, then you will find yourself in difficult places in whatever relationship it is. It can even be relationships with your kids or grandkids, your friends. But what beauty there is to be a whole person, to be a joy to be around, somebody who's interacting with you, sharing about their own life, but then they're hearing back about you from your life. We have to work on this relationship 
the relationship we have with ourselves. And how do we do that? We do that by listening to the living Word of God and what He says about us. Yes, we are created in His image. But Scripture also says that we have sinned. We have fallen. We are marred. And God is perfect. And so He calls us into this love relationship and He calls us to recalibrate our identity and who we are in Him. And then He begins to work in our life To not only set us free, but to set us on solid ground to be able to love other people. Love God, love others, as you love yourself. Double barrel shotgun. Boom! Jesus shot it right back at the Pharisees and those Sadducees. And I tell you what, they didn't corner him. They didn't dismiss him. They had to start dealing with him, and they couldn't deal with him, and so they eventually just killed him listen to the voice of jesus today in your own life some of those around you you know we mentioned about rooted and being a part of rooted group but it's not like hey some big promo rooted honestly you begin to hear the voice of god as you spend time not only just reading some scripture but to, to journal and interact on a weekly basis get together with others and interact It's like, let's come out of hiding. Let's come off the precipice. Let's come out of social media, whatever it is, and let's just be real with one another and let the Holy Spirit of God minister powerfully in those places, in those situations. Ever been on a teeter-totter, a seesaw? You know what those are, right? And, And back and forth. A healthy relationship is one that's back and forth. But some people, like if you're a little kid and you had your parent come to do teeter-totter with you, did it work? No. The adult would sit on the other end. You go, boom. There you are. Just stuck up there. There has to be this balance for a teeter-totter to work. So also in your relationships with other people, the balance of loving yourself and knowing who you are in Christ and then being able to love others. And it's a back and forth. It's a mutual communion. But we all know of situations. Maybe you're in a relationship now. Maybe you've been in one before. Maybe you're friends in one where it's really out of balance. And sometimes it's out of balance where both people don't have a healthy love for themselves before God. And it's, it's like a codependency kind of deal back and forth. Stay clear. Stay clear. And I tell you what, you may be in a relationship today and you need to put the pause button on and say, let me deal with my stuff. And what you mean by that is I need God to bring some healing and some wholeness in my heart. I can't tell you how many times I counsel people. And they're at one another. He said, she said, he said, she said. These kinds of, oh, man. You can't change them. God can. But you can't change yourself. You know, I was a, some of you are single in here. I was single until I was 29, all right? It was a nice, fun, long journey. I enjoyed my 20s, those kind of things. But I was ready to find somebody to settle down with. And I would always cry out to God, God, where's my perfect person? <laughs> and you had your list, right? That perfect person. Check, check, check. Oh, this is going really well. Check. Oh, that one's a blank, and that one's a blank. Sorry. See you later, and you sort of move your next thing. Next person, check, blank, uh, check, 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 though. And you're spending all your time focused on what's in the other person. <laughs> and then one day I had this revelation in my 20s. I don't know when it was. 
Maybe it was right before I finally told Melissa I'm ready. I don't know. I realized they have a checklist too. They have a checklist too. And when I come across them, and maybe it's even God's perfect timing, they're going, check, 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 blank, blank. See you later. And I said, oh my goodness. If God's going to cross my paths with the perfect person or the right person I'm supposed to be marrying, then I need to get my eyes off of trying to fix and change the other person and say, what are you needing to do in my life? So that when our paths cross... There's, I know there's not a perfect list, and that's why part of the laughter kind of thing. It's true. There's only one perfect one, like we talked about last week, and that's Jesus, and he is available. And so it's this idea that um, in God's sovereignty, when your paths cross, there will be a rightness to it because both of you have been obedient to what he's called you to be doing in your own souls. Not that you're perfect. But there's this complementary thing. You go, oh, this is right. Now, there may be some other things. Well, I'm not quite on my list. This, it, it won't, those things won't even matter anymore. Because you see in the other person, the individual God's called you to, and they see in you the person that God has called you to become. And there's a rightness. It changed my whole dating life because I then began to focus on who I was as a compassionate follower of Jesus Christ. Not becoming some religious fruit net you know, a geek or whatever, but just being a person that's full of God and his love in my life and having my life recalibrated. That's why when Melissa had talked to each other, we hadn't talked to each other for six months and we got together and we were sharing on a lunch and then the next day when we were in Central Park, there was just such a peace with both of us. There's a rightness about this because we were obedient to what God was doing in our hearts And that's just my simple challenge today on loving yourself. You look in the mirror. And do you love yourself well as the living word of God wants you to know that you are loved? You take to the next. I am... uh, going to mention a few things for you as you look into the mirror because what I want you to see in the mirror and I can't really get it propped up here I guess I could try but when you look into this mirror each and every morning I want you to um, not talk to yourself I want you to think of God and how he looks at you. And when God looks at you in the mirror, in a morning or an evening, or in a time of crisis, there's some things you need to remember that he says about you. There's a lot of things that could be written down, and I I chose to go with a few that a guy by the name of Louis Giglio um, mentioned to his body at Passion City Church. But the first is, God says, I love you. I love you. I love you for who I've made you to be. You see, the voice that you might hear is not a voice that says, I love you. It might be, I hate you. You don't look right. White 
why don't you have better facial features? Or look at your body. Or look at that scowl on the face. Who would like you? You hear those voices? You know, your relationship with yourself next to God's the most important relationship because you spend more time defining your life by listening to you than anybody else. Now, how you listen to yourself and what you think of yourself may have been defined by what some other people said to you, and that impacted you. But what you're saying and speaking to yourself, and when you speak to yourself in the mirror, God looking at you, he's saying, I love you. Second is, I'm thankful for you. God's thankful for you, how he's made you. He's glad you're here in this world. People get to the brink of suicide, right? It's so sad. Why? Because they're listening to the wrong voice. The voice of God says, I am thankful for you. And then he's going to say, you are a rare and beautiful treasure. We've been crafted in our mother's womb, Scripture says. Psalm 139. You're beautifully, wonderfully made. He made you unique. Just you know, if you were in a museum, everybody would come to see you because you'd be unique. Oh, look at that. Look how incredible that person is. But if you're not being who you're supposed to be and trying to be someone else, then that's, that's no value. You are a rare and beautiful treasure. Another thing that God would say to you in the mirror is, I forgive you. I forgive you. Friends, the grace of God abounds richly towards those who are seeking him. And his grace, when he forgives you, listen to this, past, present, and future, covered. He forgives you. Oh, God, you remember, you know, I really screwed up last week or uh, last year or, like, you know, like 10 years ago and what really got me in trouble. Yakky, 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 the voice of this adversary comes. And you go to God about that, and he says, well, what do you mean? I I forgave you about that. We don't have the ability to forget as human beings, but I do believe God forgets as far as the east is from the west. It says our sins have been separated, buried in the bottom of the sea, that God says, what are you talking about? But then you keep bringing it back up. Forgive yourself. Stop beating yourself up. There was someone who was beat up for you on a cross. He died for your sins and he rose from the grave to forgive you of your sins. Allow his forgiveness to come into your life and move on. Not in a flippant kind of way. You've learned your lessons. He says to walk close to me. But make sure that you do not allow yourself to live underneath the burden of guilt. It will destroy you. And eventually the countenance on your face. For someone who's lighthearted that lives underneath the grace and the mercy of God every day, His mercies are unending. They're a lighthearted person. And they know who they are in Christ. God says, I forgive you. Talk to yourself that way. I forgive you. You don't forgive yourself. God's forgiven you. But because he's forgiven you, you can forgive yourself and let it go. And then he would say, you are here for a special purpose. A special purpose? What do you mean? I, I, I get in that car and I have to commute. On the 15. I'm just going in and punching the clock. I sit in a cubicle. Yep, God's ordained your day in that cubicle. 
He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And He can take your life and use it in incredible ways if you just lean into Him. He has a plan and a special purpose for your life no matter what you're doing vocationally because you're a child of the Most High God and disciple of Him if you've chosen to follow Jesus. And He's got some special plans for you. Maybe at school talking to a friend. I encourage Levi when he gets on the car and I drop him off every week. Be encouragement to the staff and your teachers. He's got a ministry in his classroom special needs kids. You have a ministry too. You're not just a waiter or a waitress. You're not just a flight attendant. You're not just an engineer, a medical worker, a nurse. You have a plan and a purpose in God's kingdom. And then he would say, number six, I'm going to hold you to a high standard. Uh-oh. Now where are you going? Now where are you going? No, you just need to know that. He does hold you to a high standard. His, his mercy is not some type of weak thing. He wants you to live up to who he's called you to be. And so he speaks that into, but it's not a, a, a works kind of righteousness where if I do these things, then I measure up to God. It's not it's like, hey, man, play the game of life well because of who I made you to be. And there is a high standard, a standard that brings glory to God, not glory to yourself, not being dismissive of who God's called us to be. And then he would say, I believe in you. Those are the voices in the mirror that you need to be listening to, to have a relationship with yourself through Christ. What voices are you listening to? And you may not get too many of those knocked off your checklist, but just try one or two when you wake up tomorrow. What's God going to say to you? Is he going to condemn you? Maybe if you're following the ways of the world. No, he won't condemn you. He will convict you through his spirit. But through Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. You have been set free. Live free. Live under his mercy. Live under his grace. Be content with who God's made you to be. Don't try to have somebody else complete you. Find your completeness in him. You are made to be in a complementary relationship and you will need to, to pursue him to find the right spouse, to renew your marriage, whatever it may be. Understood. But first, love yourself well so that you can love your neighbor beginning in the home. You ever cheered anybody on? Where's Audrey Cook at? She's sitting in here. She was singing right here. Where is she? You won? Was it a semifinal game? She was a championship. You won it. Did you get cheered on yesterday? Woo! She won championship in her high school. Basketball. Do you like to be cheered on? Some of you men, you're struggling with that. You had coaches and people cheered you on your whole life, and now you haven't had anybody cheer you on. Maybe your wife's not even cheering you on. She's just booing you. (laughs) You live underneath a bunch of boos, and you can get discouraged. There is someone who cheers you on. The heavenly realm cheers you on. God cheers you on. The angels cheer you on. What if you were to walk out of here today, and there would be a bunch of angels out in the parking lot, and you walk out, and they go, Woo-hoo! Woo! Woo! Looky there! There's Dave! 
save this chair. Wow, whoo! I don't know how they do that. They flap their wings or something like that. He's cheering you on. Yeah! This is great. Friends, the heavenly realms are cheering you on. God made you in His image. He redeemed you through Jesus Christ. His blood was spilled on your behalf so that you could be made whole, so you could be made forgiven, so you could own up to who He's made you to be special and all the other kinds of things. Not like special, everybody gets a trophy, but special, genuinely special. Because you are. And the heavens cheer you on. And you're living underneath so many boos and discouragements and people who are pressing you. No wonder you're depressed. You're not listening to the right voice. You've got to listen to the voice of the living Word of God and allow that voice to speak into your life for you to be made whole. I believe that one of the most difficult things for us to do is to take this love we know that comes from God. I know that He loves me. But then you look in the mirror and you say, I don't love me. And Satan cancels it all out. Stop saying those things to yourself. And it's not like, just stop it, stop it, stop it. Like, stay away from the cookie jar. Stay away from the cookie jar. It's, get in God's Word. Let His Word speak to you. There are so many passages I want to go today and I'm like, I can't do that. Speak. Holy Spirit, into my life, my sense of worth of who I am because I'm supposed to love God and love others. But I can't do the double barrel unless I come back and have a healthy self-love for myself. And that self-love for myself is related in the vertical so that I can do the horizontal. But we listen to all the kinds of voices here and there. Think about all the commercials you listen to. You don't have enough. That's the, you need a nicer car. You need to look prettier. You need, we're bombarded in a consumeristic culture that you don't measure up. Get away from some of that. Back away. Find yourself just listening to the Holy Spirit. God says to you, I love you. I'm thankful for you. You are a rare and beautiful treasure. I forgive you. You are here for a special purpose, and my, through my mercy, I've called you to a high standard, yes, but I believe in you. Wings of heaven clapping. Take it in and see what God does in turning your life then to be able to love others. Jesus, in this moment, I pray for divine intervention through your Holy Spirit to any individual here who has allowed the adversary to speak lies and accusations accusations and curses into people's lives. You are bound from doing so, and from heaven on high, may those chains be broken, and may people break through. Individuals here today break through into your living word to receive richly from you a healthy self-love by embracing your love for us. And then, Lord, in that, May we love others well. Amen and amen. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I'm going to encourage you to take your Connect card. And if you're at a place that you want to grow spiritually, um, we want to help follow you up. Probably we will direct you to a rooted group if you want to take interest in that. Let us know how we can meet where you're at. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ before, I'd be more than glad to talk to you about that afterwards. Or you can just pray a simple prayer as we sing this closing song about the God on high again. And say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my indifference and my sin. I turn to you. Come into my life. I want to live for you. 
the best that you enable me from this day forward. A simple act of the faith. It's not by works so that no one can boast. It's by grace through faith that you are saved. The past can pass. The future is present. But you have to embrace God's love. You can mark that on your card that you're committing your life to Christ.